Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the Christianese and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we as actual children of God are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Hallelujah. Father, we just worship you right now. We just thank you, Lord God, just for your Word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit guiding us, leading us into all truth. And right now we just we choose, Lord God, to have eyes that see, we choose to have ears that hear, and we choose to have a heart that understands what the Spirit is speaking to us. And then, Father, I just thank you that it's not about what comes out of my mouth or what I could possibly teach, Father God. We, we allow the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, to teach us. And we just thank you that we choose to leave different than we came in. And we give you all the glory for it, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Love the Word of God. In the last um, several weeks, we've been talking about uh, faith. We've been teaching on faith. And the uh, and just different aspects, different things we could go on and on. You know, uh, faith is, is kind of inexhaustible. You know, the, the just shall live by faith. Every part of our life has to do with faith. And uh, so we've been, you know, just having all these different, different uh, teachers teach on faith on Wednesday nights. And... Uh, Pastor Tim did a great job last week, and one of the things he was teaching on last week was uh, the, the the relationship of faith, and the fact that faith is my relationship, that, that that's all faith is. We have to keep it as simple as that, that faith is my relationship with God. And when it when it come, becomes something that's mystical or, or something that we just don't know what it really means, then it, it's really hard to operate in. It's hard to operate in something you don't even know what it is. It, it's too mysterious. We don't know, you know why people have it or why they don't have it or how it grows or how it doesn't grow. It becomes this big thing instead of just a relationship. And, um, and that's when it gets real religious and, and, and it just loses the power behind it. It's supposed to be simple, and, and this is one thing I teach a lot in school is just the fact that faith is relationship. And one of the things that I tell people to do is, is when they're reading the Word and they, they come across the word faith, one of the good things you can do with this is you can interchange the word faith for relationship, and it helps. And it's, it's like when you're reading through Hebrews 11, and, and you're, it says, you know, by faith Moses did this, and by faith Noah did this, and by faith Abraham did this, and by faith Enoch did this. You can, you can take that word of faith out and put the word relationship in there, and it begins to help us understand some things. Because it says, you know, by faith Moses did this, or by faith, I mean, by, by their relationship Moses did this, and by their relationship uh, Noah did this, and by their relationship Abraham did this. And so... It helps us to begin to understand that these people built a relationship with God, and it was based on that relationship that they acted on things. And we basically what we're saying is they acted in trust, and faith and trust is interchangeable. But you're not going to trust somebody you don't know. And so, you know, God doesn't ask us to trust Him if we don't know Him. That would be just called foolishness. But a lot of Christians right now, they're trying to trust somebody they don't know, and that that's that's really where the struggle comes in. And so... Uh, so just understand that faith is, is such an important part of our life that we live by faith and not by sight. It's how we live. You know, Paul said it this way. He said, it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I right now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Or I live by relationship with the Son of God. I mean, we, we need to understand that this whole thing is by faith. And as Christians, we're designed to operate by faith. But... So what we're going to get into tonight is just building the atmosphere of faith and understanding that, that, that we can actually 
um, build an atmosphere of faith around us so that it's easy for us to walk in faith. You know, a lot of times people, they have an atmosphere around them that's just, that's just kind of killing their faith off. You know, you, you, we read the word and we love, we, we hear the promise and we know, we know that God's word is true and we know that his word comes to pass. But there's this element that, that we sometimes neglect and it's called the atmosphere of our heart and our mind. And so understanding that the, how, how important the atmosphere is. You know, you can have, you know, we know the word talks about the, the word of God being a seed and it talks about our heart being the soil. And the, the Word of God goes into our heart as a seed goes into the soil. And it's designed to produce what the Word of God, you know, says. It's designed to have the DNA of God Himself and come into our heart and produce those things. However, if you're a farmer, and if you have seed and you put it in the ground, but the environment is hostile, or the environment doesn't, isn't, isn't appropriate, then that seed is not going to grow properly. And it really doesn't matter how good the seed is or how good the soil is. You know, if I, just for instance, if I go to um, uh, the Antarctic, you know, and, and here you have all the snow and this ice, and I, I actually, just, just pretend I, I took a plot of land, you know, like whatever, a 10 by 20 piece of land or whatever, and I just chiseled out all the snow and the ice, and I dug it down like three or four feet, and I just dug down. And I scooped out all that snow and all that ice for you know, with a three or you know three or four foot down over the whole plot, and I and I, I filled that with with perfect soil, all the right nutrients, everything, and I filled it with the perfect soil, okay. And I did that, and then I took the perfect corn seed. I mean, this is the the, the best corn you could possibly get, this organic, awesome corn seed, and I put it in that soil, perfect soil, perfect seed, and here I am in the Antarctic. Is that going to grow properly? No, it will not grow properly because the environment, the environment has everything to do with whether or not that seed grows to its fruition, grows to its potential. And a lot of times what we don't understand is that we can have the perfect word, the perfect word of God, and we can put it in our heart and it's designed to grow. But when we don't have the right environment, then it's actually stunting the growth. And it doesn't even matter how long. You look, so with that, with, with Antarctic, if I go in there and I put that seed in that ground, what if I wait a year? What if I wait 10 years? What if I wait 20 years? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long I wait. That seed's still not going to come to fruition if the environment doesn't change. And, and just a lot of times what we're doing is we're waiting on promises that have been given to us. We're waiting and we think that time is the issue. Time isn't the issue. The Word of God is, is powerful, sharper than any two-edged seed. The, 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 our heart is designed to grow the Word. And it, no matter how much time goes by, time isn't the issue. Okay, it, A lot of times it has to do with the environment around our heart. Is our environment around our heart fueling and supporting and activating the seed, or isn't it? Because what's supposed to happen, you know, in the natural realm, in with seed and soil, is you put that seed in the ground, and then there's there's you know there's obviously some rain and there's some sunshine, and what happens is between the water and the heat, the 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 soil gets activated, the the nutrients in the soil get activated, and the nutrients in the soil put a demand on that seed, and they put a demand on that seed to make it come to pass. And that's what our heart is designed to do. Our heart is designed to put a demand on the seed and to allow it to come to pass. But if the environment doesn't change, then it never will. And so, so many times though, we're, we're just not, we're not fueling uh, faith the way, that we, the way that we should. 
Now let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, and let's let's look at a couple uh, example of this really quickly. Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, it, we're just going to be in verse 11, just verse 11, and this is talking about Sarah, right? And verse 11 says, "By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who promised." So here it says, by faith, or in other words, we could say, by her relationship, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. Now Sarah had been barren her whole life. And here, uh, before she had Isaac, she was given the promise 25 years earlier. Approximately 25 years earlier, she was given the promise before she had Isaac. Understand, it was not God's will that 25 years go by. It had nothing to do with time. Here it says what the issue was. It says, by faith, Sarah herself also, what'd she do? She received strength to conceive seed. She wasn't strong enough to receive the seed, to, or to conceive the seed. And now that's not talking about physically. It's not talking about physically. It's talking about, about her heart and her mind. Her heart and her mind were not strong enough to conceive the seed. And so here what happened was, the issue was not, now understand, the issue over that 25 year period, the issue was not how powerful God's word was. Because the strength of his word never changes. Right? So his word never changed. The issue was not how badly she wanted a child. She wanted a child her whole life. Right? So the issue was not her need for a child or her desire for a child or how strong the word was. The issue had nothing to do with that. The issue was she wasn't strong enough. She wasn't strong enough for those years to conceive the seed. But she came through a relationship. She came to a point where she was strong enough to conceive the seed. So the only difference between the day that she heard the promise and the day that she conceived and got her, her promise manifested, the only difference was her strength level. Amen. The only difference was her strength level. She was too weak. See, you know, if she would have never gotten stronger, if she would have never gotten stronger in her heart and her mind, if she would have never began to fuel an environment of strength, then she would have never had that child. Because God's word never changed. His will toward her never changed. The moment he said it, his will was enacted. His will was enacted when he said it. Just like it was in Genesis when he said, you know, uh, light be, there was light. When he said, let there be animals, there was animals. When there let, let there be trees and plants, there was trees and plants. His will was enacted when the word came forth. And so when, when his word comes into our life, his will is enacted when his word comes forth. But the issue is not whether or not what his will is. The issue is, am I strong enough to conceive the seed? Now what happens is this. I mean, think about Sarah. And we know the word says there in Proverbs it says that 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 um, uh, it says that that hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, so that tells me this: that, that what does it mean by being hope deferred? It means that that when you have when you're expecting something and it doesn't come to pass, your hope has been deferred. And, and it just means it's been put off. The, the hope that you had, the expectation you had, the anticipation that you had, the excitement that you had, now it turns into disappointment, it turns into discouragement, it can turn into bitterness, it can turn into all kinds of things, and it makes the heart sick. If you're sick, you're, too, you're weak. Right? If you're sick, you're weak. You know, sometimes you can be so sick, you know, with like the flu and stuff that you can't even barely get out of bed. You can't function normally when you're sick like that. 
Your heart can't function and do what it's supposed to do because it's been it's been sick. It has an environment around it that has to do with discouragement, has to do with bitterness sometimes, unforgiveness, strife and wrath. You know, it has all kinds of stuff going on around the environment, and it will actually stunt the word of God from coming into pass in your life. And she had to get strengthened, though. She went through month after month, year after year of being disappointed because she wanted a child so badly that her heart was sick. Her heart was weak. It couldn't conceive. When, when the Word of God came to her and said, you're going to have a child, here she is. She's, she's, she has the Word come to her, but she also has year after year of disappointment talking to her. And she has year after year of her heart being sick. She has year after year of disappointment and discouragement. And so here the word says, I'm going to supernaturally give you a son. You're going to be the mother of princes. You're going to be the mother of nations. And here she has to contend with that saying, I believe God's word, but there's all these other things going on in my heart that have been built up all this time. And you understand that there's, there, there's this battle going on right now between the weakness of her heart because now what she has to do is she has to be able to conceive, actually take this supernatural word and that God says, it doesn't matter what your body is. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you've never been able to have a child. It's going to be supernatural. And so now your, your heart and your mind has to be strong enough to be able to take a supernatural word and say, it doesn't matter what's happened in the natural, the supernatural word is going to come to pass. Man, praise God. But see, it takes, it takes an environment of strength. And she had to be strengthened before she could actually conceive that word. Turn over to Romans chapter 4. And we can see the same thing here on the other side of it. <clears throat> and once again, you know, her, her need and her desire didn't have anything to do with it coming to pass. It was her strength level that did. Now, um, in Romans chapter 4, it's talking about Abraham, right? Takes two to make a child, right? In most cases. Um, and so, you know, Sarah wasn't the only one that had to be strong. Abraham had to be strong. Now here it says, in verse 19, and it says, um, well, let me just back up to verse 18. It says, Who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. It says, And he did not waver or stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So notice what happened with Abraham. He had to be strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. See, now both of them had strength issues. Both of them had strength issues. And when they both came to a place of strength, now suddenly it became easy for them. And you understand, strength is what determines how easy things are, right? Strength determines this. It's, it's, not, it's not the, um, uh, the, the, the situation that determines how, how, determines how easy things are. It's not, you know, and I say this a lot because strength means, there's so much about strength in the Word of God. Um, but, we, uh, for instance, this pulpit. You know, this pulpit, if, if I go to lift this pulpit, the ease of, of me lifting this pulpit, if I, want the, if I want it to be easier to lift this pulpit, I don't need the pulpit to get any lighter. I just need to be stronger. Okay? I don't need things to, I don't need the pulpit to get lighter for, for it to be easier for me. I just need to get stronger. My strength will determine how easy it is for things to change and for things to move. My strength will determine those things. 
I don't need the situation to change for things to be easy. I just need my strength level to change. But you see, this is as we're talking about this, we have to put ourselves in an, in, in an, an environment that caters to strength. What, we, what I call the, the target-rich environment. I don't know if you know what I mean by target-rich environment. It just simply means that, that I'm fueling an environment that caters to my success. So it's like this, you know, uh, back about six years ago or so, um, our niece Hannah came to live with us, and uh, and uh, you know she would sometimes she would she would get home from work or whatever in the afternoon, and she would go into her bedroom, and then a few hours later she'd come out, and she'd be like, "Oh man, I totally fell asleep, and I did I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to." I, she goes, "I had I, this is usually what she say. I, I had things to do. I I was gonna clean my room. I was gonna you know organize things. I was gonna vacuum. I was gonna d do all these different things. I was gonna do my laundry. Um, you know all this stuff." And she goes, "But." But I just, I mean, I fell asleep. And I don't even know, I just, I don't even know what happened. And I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, I would, I would, I just, it was in there. And uh, she goes, I, I was cold. And so I got into bed and I kind of wrapped up in my blankets. And you know, understand, she would always complain about being cold because she didn't choose to wear appropriate clothing. And, and uh, but, uh, but anyway, she would get in into her blankets. She goes, I, I just get in my blankets. I just get all, all warm and snuggly in my blankets, you know, and I'd, I'd put my music on, you know, and next thing you know, I'm asleep. Well, this is not rocket science. You know what I'm saying? It's, if, if you get into bed and you get your blankets around you and you get all warm and comfy and you put your head on the pillow and you close your eyes, guess what's probably going to happen? You're probably going to go to sleep. You know, and so... She was not creating a target-rich environment for staying awake. If you want to stay awake, you don't do those things. And we need to understand, if we're going to be in strength, if we're going to actually be in faith, we need to create a target-rich environment. But a lot of times, what happens is people are fueling the doubt, the unbelief, they're fueling weakness in their life, and they wonder why they why they can't seem to stand firm, why they can't having done all to stand stand there for, why they why they they, they they honestly believe the word, but they they just don't know how to stand. They don't know how to actually man just just hold their ground through the process and get the breakthrough. They don't know how to do that because they're creating an environment that is actually fueling weakness in their life. And so what we need to do is we need to have an environment that that fuels strength. What you know the the word says this. Um, let's turn over to Second uh, Peter in chapter two. You know the word says in Proverbs chapter four, uh, and I won't turn there, but in Proverbs chapter four, that you're gonna pr that 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 you need to guard your heart with all diligence, right? Guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Why does it say to do that? Because out of it proceeds the issues of life. So here I am, I'm having to guard my heart. My heart needs to be guarded. There's an environment around my heart. I need to, I need to have an environment of strength around my heart because out of my heart produces everything. If I just put any old nasty thing in my heart, then, then I'm not going to produce a lot of strength. I'm not going to actually be able to conceive the seed, the supernatural thing that God wants to do in my life. It will be too big for me. My, it will be too much for me to handle. And so I'll end up staggering at the promise of God. I'll end up backing up and trying to depend on natural things instead of actually just resting in the supernatural ways of God. But over here in 2 Peter, we see what, what, what Lot was doing here. And it talks about Lot here in verse 7. Says and, and says and he delivered righteous Lot who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. 
Verse 8, For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Oh man, here he is. Here he's living in Sodom and Gomorrah, right? He's living in Sodom area. And so it doesn't say that he did the deeds. It didn't say that he did unrighteous things. It didn't say that. It says, though, that he was a righteous man and by hearing and seeing lawlessness, by hearing and seeing wickedness every day, it says he tortured his righteous soul. What was he doing? He was, he was, he was creating an environment of weakness. And if you know the rest of the story, it is a hideous story. I mean, he ended up losing everything. He ended up, I mean, it was just a vile thing. He was saved out, out of that situation, but it took a toll. It took a toll on not only his, obviously his wife, ended up turning to salt, right? That's not a good thing. Definitely took a toll on his marriage in that way, didn't it? Took a toll on his family from then on. Because of what his daughters ended up doing and different things. But it was, it, it was because he chose. Now it doesn't say that he did those things. It doesn't say that he partook of wickedness in Sodom. And that, that I think sometimes people think that that's where the line is drawn. That if, we're not just, if I'm just not partaking of it, it's okay. He wasn't partaking of it. He was still allowing what was coming into his eyes and his ears to torture his righteous soul. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Praise God for that. But can we still, as righteous people, can we still torture our soul? We definitely can. And the word says in, of course, 3 John verse 2, that, that we, uh, we will prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. My soul has everything to do with how much of, of God's word and God's ways I'm going to walk in. It has everything to do with it. And so here, I, can, I, I actually get to choose this, though. And here it says that Lot, he actually tortured his righteous soul by, by what he was seeing and hearing. Do we have, in our society, in our culture, do we have the opportunity to see and hear wickedness? Oh, man, we do every day, all day long. It's, it's bombarding us through, through every, every avenue of media, through every avenue. I mean, you're talking about, obviously, through, through the radio, through, through the, the TV, you know, through Facebook, through Internet, through, through all kinds of ways. You know, people are continually talking about things that don't line up with godliness. Don't line up with godliness. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, the kingdom of God doesn't operate in those things, but the world operates in those things, and so we get really subject to these things, right? And so here, we need to understand that, that there's, there's an environment that, you know, really should not be acceptable to us. There's environments of weakness that shouldn't be acceptable to us. There's, there's environments that, that shouldn't be right. You know, um, uh, I was you know, talking to uh, Annie, and uh, I was talking to Annie on uh, uh, this the other night anyway, uh, just texting with her a little bit, and she was talking to me, and we just got talking about the weather, you know, and I was here, you know, they've been getting some hot, hot weather there in Tulsa. And, you know, we were talking, and I was like, you know, I remember back when I was uh, living in Tulsa, and oh my goodness, ah, I hated it. I really didn't, I mean, I just couldn't stand Tulsa most of the time. But in the summertime, the reason why I couldn't stand it was because it was so hot and so humid most of the time. I remember, uh, you know, very vividly, you know, going out, and of course, you know, at that time I was college age, you know, and you just, you know, just didn't have much to do most of the time. I'd be, I'd be out uh, two in the morning just walking, you know walking to the grocery store, walking to wherever, you know, just to take a walk, two in the morning. 
And uh, here it'd be in the middle of summer, two in the morning, I'm walking. That was where I learned that I always carry my ID with me. Because I remember one time I, I was walking and, and the, the police came and stopped me for whatever reason. And, and man, they, they questioned me for quite a few minutes thinking I was up to no good or something. I don't know. But the issue was because I didn't have my ID with me. It You know, I, I don't know. They were just having to check things out. I'm just walking. I just, I'm getting a little thing of ice cream from the quick trip. You know, I'm not doing anything. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, but the point is, is that at 2 in the morning, I remember... It was still being 100 degrees and the humidity so bad that I'm just sweating. I mean, I'm just sweating. Beads of sweat at 2 in the morning. And I'm just like, this is not right. There is no sun in the sky. It is pitch black out here. And it's still 100 degrees and the humidity is ridiculous. You know, and it just doesn't seem right at all. Right? Because, why? Because I'm thinking, man, this is just not acceptable. I don't come from this environment. <laughs> you know? Now, here's the thing. The longer you live there, the more acceptable that becomes. And what if you're born there? What if you're born in that environment? Yeah, you're just used to it. That's all you know. And so you think that is acceptable. You don't think that there's any other way but that. And what we need to realize is that the, the, that we need to get renewed in our mind. We need to, we need to uh, uh, actually enter into a different culture to actually renew our mind. Over there in, in, in Matthew chapter 26, let's just turn over there, Matthew 26. And here, you know, Jesus just makes this statement to, to Peter and to the other disciples here. But um, Matthew 26, and... Uh, here, this is when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and um, uh, he's asked him to pray with him, you know, and, and all this. It says, verse 40, chapter 26, verse 40. It says, Then he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping, and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so now here he gives us a key, he gives us a huge key to actually... Uh, entering into strength. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is always weak. And he goes, here's how you deal with that. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Prayer is an environment of strength. Prayer is an environment that fuels strength in my life. He's saying, listen, if, you, if you're not going to be in prayer, then you're going to be tied to weakness every time. You're going to be tied to weakness every time. You know, the, uh, because what happens in prayer, prayer is not just, of course, me just coming and telling God what I need. It's not about that. Prayer is this time when I have communion in the kingdom of God, in the presence of God, in, in the spirit realm. And I'm actually, I'm actually exposing my heart and my mind. I'm exposing my heart and my mind to the culture of the kingdom of God. And I'm readjusting what's acceptable to me. It's like being in Tulsa. You know, if I go to Tulsa, you know, I'm going to, of course, be over there this next month. When I go there, you know, and if it's so hot, that's not acceptable to me. Now, I'll put up with it. It's okay. But I, I, I don't want that to be acceptable to me. We shouldn't allow strife to be acceptable to us. We shouldn't allow unforgiveness to be acceptable. We shouldn't allow bitterness to be unacceptable, as acceptable. All those things should be unacceptable. Bitterness, strife, all those things should be unacceptable to us. We shouldn't allow fear to be acceptable. We shouldn't allow uh, um, you know, all of the, the contentions of, around us to be acceptable. Those things don't happen in the kingdom of God. They don't happen in my kingdom. They don't happen in our kingdom as children of God. That doesn't happen in heaven right now. And we're always praying, like, kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then I better start hanging out in heaven. I better allow heaven to be my standard of what's acceptable. 
You know, because otherwise, I'm going to faint at the promise of God. I'm going to stagger at the promise of God. I'm not going to be strong enough to conceive the seed that came from heaven. Okay, but what he wants us to do is understand that my spirit is always right there. My spirit is always willing. My spirit is always in line with God. But it's my flesh that's weak. And so that's why it says in Galatians that if I sow to the flesh, I'm going to reap corruption. But if I sow to the spirit, I'll reap life everlasting. I can, I can guarantee you with 100% guarantee, I can guarantee you with 100% confidence if I'm going to be strong next week or not. I can guarantee it by what I do right now. If I sow to the Spirit, I'm going to be strong. But if I sow to the flesh, if I allow my eyes and my ears to take in things that are just worldly all the time, if I just feed on those things all the time, then I'm going to sow to weakness. And, and I'm going to stagger at the promise, and I'm going to have problems actually creating an environment of faith. You know, but here, I love this because we are in this place of, of, of we're children of God, and we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can actually enter into the kingdom as we pray. And I just love it because now suddenly, the, the, we need to understand it's not a drive-through visitation experience. Me visiting, me visiting Tulsa doesn't um, does, doesn't cause me to accept the way it is in Tulsa. I have to live there. I have to actually, the longer I live there, the more acceptable things are. You know, the longer I'm, a, I'm, I'm around it, the more acceptable it is to me. And so, understand, if I, if I live in the kingdom of God, if I live in the presence of God, then that's what's going to be acceptable to me. But I can't just come and go. I can't just make it a visitation. If I just visit the presence of God once in a while, then the world is still what's acceptable to me. And somehow the kingdom of God is something that's special. Now, I'm not, I'm not minimizing the specialness of the kingdom, but it shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be that place where it's like out of the ordinary. Heaven is our ordinary kingdom. Heaven is the, the ordinary thing for our life. Heaven is what we're designed to do. I mean, like we said, you know, back with, with, with Sarah, here she was, she, because of her weakness in her heart and her mind, she, she wasn't able to do what she was naturally supposed to do. Well, what are we naturally supposed to do? What are we naturally supposed to be doing as Christians? We're supposed to be reproducing. We're supposed to be walking in strength all the time. We're supposed to be healing the sick and raising the dead and walking as kings and priests on the earth. We're supposed to be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We're supposed to be living on this earth as kings and, not, and, and, and having total authority and total dominion over everything. That's normal for the kingdom of God. But it's a weakness. It's, it's the weakness of our heart and our mind, the, the, that environment that, that stops us from doing what we naturally should be able to do. And so, uh, so as we, as one of the things we need to do is we need to, like, so we need to stay in that, that realm of prayer. We need to obviously be in the Word of God. You know, the Word of God renews our mind. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We need to stay in prayer. Um, uh, another thing that we need to do here, let's turn over to, um, to Jude. We've got a few more minutes here. It's okay. In Jude, and this to me is, is a big one here. Something that, that I think that, that we don't do nearly enough of most of the time, but, um, but praise God, it's a big deal in Jude. And here he says, in, um, let's see, verse 14, says, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints 
to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Well, there's a whole lot of ungodly things happening there, isn't there? Verse 16, he says, These are grumblers and complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. And we see a lot of that going on right now. Verse 17, But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken by, before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the Spirit. Now, here he's talking about this group of people, and he says they're sensual persons causing divisions not having the spirits, not having the spirit. Um, here, when he says the word sensual there, you know, we tend to think of that as being like, you know, sexually provocative or something like this. And it doesn't has to it doesn't have to mean that. It can mean that, and that's encompassed in that word. But the word sensual simply means that they're that they're being run by their senses. They're sense-based. So they're just allowing the five senses to tell them what to do. And so they're, they're being governed by their senses and the appetite of their senses. Okay, Because your, your, your flesh has appetites. Your senses have appetites. And so here's a group of people who are, who are being led by their five senses. And they're being sense-based, sensual people. And it says, and they're causing divisions. They're separating themselves and others from the church and from God. And they don't have the Spirit. Because they're walking in their five senses, they're sowing to the flesh and they're reaping corruption. That's really what's happening here. Verse 20. It says, But you, okay, so he separates us, but you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, how? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praise God. It says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. Now, here he says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So he tells me something. He says, there's a way that I can build myself up on my faith. And my faith isn't what's being built. It's me that's being built. My faith says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But here he says, if I'm going to build myself, that means to edify, that means to strengthen myself. If I'm going to strengthen myself... On my most holy faith. I love it because it says that my faith here is holy. It says it's most holy. It's your most holy faith. Faith by design comes from God. Romans chapter 12 says that he's given to each of us the measure of faith. And so by design, faith comes from God. And it looks like God. It has the DNA of God. has the nature of God. has the limitlessness of God. And it has the holiness of God. What it means to be holy is to be separated. Right? Separated from this world unto God. And so, he's talking about two different groups of people. He says those who are sense-based are separated to the world and are causing divisions. Those who are faith-based are, are separated and holy unto God. And he says our faith that's on the inside of us is holy. But what we have to do is build ourselves up on it. We have to build ourselves up on this faith. We have to create an environment where we can actually walk in this holy faith. See, what happens is this, is that when we, um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, if, if, I don't know if you ever, uh, you know, like bought something at the store that needed to be put together. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, I was thinking like, like a, a grill, you know, like a, a barbecue grill. 
you know, you go to the store, you see it all assembled on the, you know, on the, on, in the store floor, you know, on the showroom floor type of thing, you know, nice grill, got the burners, got the whole thing, the bells and the whistles, you know, everything is all awesome on it, it's all, it's all shiny, you know, and you can see that grill, and you can taste the burgers, you know, you can taste the steak you want to do, and so what you do, though, is you buy the grill, but it doesn't always come like that, right, sometimes it comes in a big box, right, and they just give you the box, and you got to put it together, you guys ever have to put a grill together? I've, I've had to put grills together before. But now here, so you get the box and it has all the parts and the pieces. All the parts and pieces are in the box. It's an all-inclusive box. Praise God. has every part you need in there. Okay, but what if you get that thing out and all you have to put it together with is a butter knife? You ever, I mean, I tell you, I've, I've done this, you know, where you've, you know, you ever use butter knives to do stuff that maybe they aren't quite designed to do, <laughs> you know? I used to, uh, I used to have a uh, steak knife. Uh, one time, uh, <coughs> uh, I don't know, a couple of years back, uh, somebody, I don't know who was with me, but we were going through my tool bag, and it came across a steak knife. I've had that steak knife in there probably for 15 years uh, or so, more than that, probably 18 years, actually. But I've had that steak knife in there, and so they came across, and they're like, oh, man, why do you have a steak knife in here? I go, oh, you leave that steak knife in there. That goes in there. That's where that belongs now, because I've used that steak knife. for. I used to use it to cut drywall. I used to use it to, to you know, you, I, man, I used it for a lot of different things, okay? <laughs> and the things that is just not designed for. Uh, but years ago, back just after Rachel and I got married, one time she's like, oh, I'm missing one of my steak knives. And I'm like, well, I'm not missing it. I know right where it is in my tool bag, you know. But anyway, uh, we have different knives now, praise God. But the uh, but I still have that steak knife in my tool bag because it came in handy a lot of times. But it wasn't the tool that was designed for the job. Now, here's the thing, though. If, if you have a, a grill and you have all these nuts and bolts and different things going on this grill, and all you have is a butter knife to put it together with, how frustrating is that? You know, you're sitting there, and this you, all you all you want to do is have some steak. All you want to do is is cook the burgers. All you want to do is have something that you're partaking of, and you know that it's designed to do that for you. But you can't get it put together because all you're working with is a steak knife. I mean, all you're working with is a butter knife. Now, understand that that's how a lot of Christians are because they see the Word of God, and we know what the promise says. But when the promise comes to us. What happens is this, if the promise, when the promise comes to us, we typically will, will take that promise and filter it through our mind. We, we filter it through uh, our, our brain. And that's like using a butter knife to put together a grill or a, or a rocket or something, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you're using something that is never supposed to be used for that. And so it gets really frustrating. You know, and then, of course, we, we have the, the perfect model of the grill working in Jesus. We see Jesus, and we see all the burners on. We see the steaks being cooked. You know, we see Jesus walking around cooking everything perfectly because he's the perfect grill put together. You know, and he goes, here's who you are. And we have the picture on the box, you know. We have the picture on the box, and we're sitting there going, it's supposed to look like this. We even have instructions, you know, that tell us how to put it together, but we have the wrong tools, and so when we're trying to use our mind, when we're trying to use our natural-based mind, I'm talking about my brain, when I'm trying to use my brain to figure out the Word of God, to figure out eternal things, it is so inadequate. You know, the other day when I was in prayer, uh, I might have just been like this morning, I was in prayer, and, and the Lord just spoke to me, and He just said this simple phrase, just a little simple phrase. And He said, everything is just the beginning. Oh, okay, I like that. Everything is just the beginning. You're saying God is so infinite. He's awesome. He's limitless. But he, 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 so he puts this into my heart. Everything is the, just the beginning. 
Now, I can't figure that one out. I'm, I know what he means by in my spirit. I, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with understanding what he said, but I'm not going to understand it through my mind or my brain is what I'm talking about. My brain is not going to de de determine that. I, I can't use my brain to do it. That, that is so uh, frustrating to try to use your brain to actually filter because your, your brain is just a, a uh, computer, right? Your physical brain is just an organ between your ears. It's just a computer. Nobody in heaven has a brain right now. They, all, they have minds, but they don't have brains because there's no physical bodies in heaven right now. Jesus has the glorified body right now, and we'll get our glorified body when he comes back. But nobody has a physical brain. They all have minds, but they don't have a physical brain. And so we need to understand this, that my physical brain, that what it's done is it has taken in all the information of my life, and it has actually built con conclusions, it has actually built uh, scenarios, it has built expectations, it has built hopes, it has built different things based on the information it's taken in through my five senses, through my, through my whole life, all 40 plus years now, it's taken in 40 plus years of information, uh, you know, of, of, of growing up and living in different places in the United States of America, and it's taken in all the information it could possibly take in in that 40, 40 you know, year period, whatever, and then the eternal great God Jehovah speaks something from heaven that, that has his DNA in its nature. He speaks that into me, and then I try to figure out with that brain, oh man, that, that is woefully inadequate. I mean, that is, that is going to cause so much frustration. But that's what happens with our faith many times. God gives us a, a promise. He, he shows us the box, has the perfect thing on it. He gives us revelation knowledge. And we're like, whoo, man, I see it. Praise God, I'm going to be cooking me some steaks. Glory to God, that promise is good. Oh, yeah, I got revelation knowledge on that. Glory to God. But then we try to walk it out with our natural, with our natural unrenewed mind and it's going to end up in frustration because there's, we're not strong enough to do it in our natural mind. Our heart and our mind, left in its natural state without the Word of God, is going to be inadequate. And so what we have to do here, it says here, I build myself up on my most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I build myself up on my most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I build myself up. I strengthen myself as I pray in the Holy Spirit. Because what's happening is this, is that I begin to speak in tongues. And what I'm doing is I am actually speaking in something that doesn't come from my brain, right? It says, it says my mind is unfruitful. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't come from my brain. It comes from my heart. It comes from the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. And it comes from my heart. And it comes up out. And now suddenly I'm training my brain to take a knee. I'm, I'm training the unrenewed part of my mind to take a knee, and I'm saying, no, 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 there's something that needs to be spoken out here, and I'm going to speak it, I'm going to declare it past my natural understanding, and I'm going to build myself up so I get really used to supernatural things. Oh, man, I love praying in tongues. Man, I love praying in tongues. I, I, I have done this for years now, where, where uh, you know, I, I know, you know that God has amazing things. 
But understand those amazing things will look a whole lot like me and a whole lot a whole lot less than him if I simply try to do it in my own ability. So what I have to do is I have to look into those amazing things and I have to begin to speak out the mysteries as I pray in tongues. And what am I doing? I'm building myself up on my most holy faith so that when I get there, so that when I get there, my mind isn't contending with it. My mind isn't battling it using my past. My mind is actually submitted to my spirit and it's used to it because I've been praying in tongues and so my mind is used to taking a knee and so my mind sits there and says, I don't have to understand it. I can simply allow God to do it, praise God. And I don't contend with it through weakness. I'm strengthened in faith. And like, like you know, it says about Abraham, giving glory to God. Hallelujah. And we just need to, we need to understand that there's a, God gives us a supernatural promise and he has a supernatural way for it to come to pass. Okay. And what we need to do is we need to align ourselves with strength and build that environment of faith up. Now it's, it's like, um, uh, you know, when, uh, my brother-in-law, Pat, and I don't know if, if, if you guys know much about Pat, but Pat, great guy. I love Pat. And, uh, and the thing is about Pat, whatever he does, he does in a very extreme capacity. Okay? And so years ago, this was back, back when I was a teenager, um, uh, Pat, had, he lived in a house uh, just a few, few houses away from the beach up in Seaside. And so he decided he wanted to get him a garden. And he didn't know anything about gardening, but he that, 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 that doesn't stop Pat, praise God. So he, you know, just did some research on it. And so he decided he's going to get him a garden in his backyard. And so he, he plotted out, him out some land, it's just a little plot of land, I don't know, it was probably about maybe 10 foot by 20 foot or something like that, I don't know how big it was, I don't remember. But it wasn't, wasn't you know, it was a nice little piece of land. And so he plotted him out in his backyard, he dug it up. He, he tested the soil, you know, put down the right mix of everything, you know, got the soil pH balanced just right. I mean, he's doing some research on this, you know, trying to trying to make it just right. Gets the soil just right the way he wanted. He actually took hoses, and he put hoses um, underneath the ground. You know, put them in about, about a foot under the ground. And he put like one every foot or so. So he could water it, and it would be like a soaker hose type of a thing. And he could water it from the root level. You know, and he, this is Pat. You understand? He does things in extreme capacity. You know, and so he does this. And then what he does is he builds a greenhouse over this plot of land. And I love this because you think about this. What does a greenhouse do? A greenhouse, it separates us. A greenhouse separates. It, it separates the 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 seed and the ground from the environment outside of that. It actually, I love, a, I love the whole aspect of a greenhouse because what a greenhouse does is it allows the seed and the soil to grow at, 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 at basically premium potential regardless of what's going on around it. Regardless of what's going on outside of it, what's in that greenhouse, the growth that's in the greenhouse is not subject to what's going on outside the greenhouse, right? And so the growth in that greenhouse is isolated from the conditions around it, and it is actually operating in its own little biosphere. It's operating in its own little world. 
And this is what we do when we are when we're you know praying in the Holy Spirit, when we're in the Word, when we're in, in the environment of prayer, when we're in the environment of, of the things of God, we are building a greenhouse around our heart and our mind. Glory to God. We build a greenhouse. So it doesn't matter what's going on around us. Things are growing. Things are growing based on God. Things are growing based on the Word of God. Things are growing based on the nature of God. Things are growing based on how He designed it, and it's not, it has nothing to do with what's going on around me. Now what happened with with Pat's greenhouses, you know, a couple months go by, and oh my goodness, it got so huge in that greenhouse. Those plants grew so much in that greenhouse that honestly, you could you if you looked at the greenhouse, you couldn't see daylight in the greenhouse. All you could see is just green. You know, because it was everything was to the max capacity. Pat got to the point where he couldn't even get into the greenhouse because the plants were so taking over everything. He, I would go over to his house. He'd have platters of vegetables and different things. Oh, you want some? I, you know, he's just trying to give the stuff away because there's just so much. You know, he, I mean, it was just it was abounding and abounding and abounding. <laughs> you know, praise God. That's how it's supposed to be. Amen. He didn't have to do much. He didn't have to do hardly anything. He'd go out there and water a little bit once in a while, but other than that, the greenhouse allowed the seed and the soil to do what it's naturally designed to do, and that's to, to cause it to abound. Our heart and our mind, I mean, excuse me, our heart and, 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 and the Word of God are designed to go together and to abound unto whatever God has ordained it to do. But what we have to realize is that, is that we have to get ourselves into a place where we are creating an environment of strength, an environment of faith. Amen? And as we do that, though, we do it through prayer. We do it through the Word of God. We do it, obviously, in church. We do it in, in, in praying in tongues is so important, though. And just getting past the natural and just allowing the supernatural design of God. Now, one thing I love about tongues is that we know that in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, they had the gifts of the Spirit operating. I mean, people healed the sick. People raised the dead, right? People had prophecy. People had uh, words of wisdom and words of knowledge. You know, there was the, the, the gifts of the Spirit were in, in manifestation all through the Old Testament. And we, but we know that one gift that really wasn't in manifestation in the Old Testament was the gift of tongues, right? We know that it's not only, I want you to see this, it's not only... Uh, unique to this dispensation. It's not only unique to this time or to the church age, but all of those gifts in the Old Testament were done by unsaved people. Jesus wasn't even on the earth yet. He didn't die yet. So those, all those gifts were done by unsaved people. The gift of tongues is unique to saved people. It is unique to born-again believers. And I know, and this is something that I've learned as I walk this out, is that my new birth requires a new tongue. My new birth, to walk in the new birth, to walk in the newness of life, I have to have a new tongue. I have to actually allow my tongue to be tied to the spirit realm and not to my mind, not to my past, not to, not to old hurts or pains or disappointments, but to, to break my, my heart free of those things, I have to allow my tongue to, to be yielded to the things of the spirit. Amen? So let's just go ahead and pray. We'll wrap it up right there. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your ways. I thank you there are higher ways and higher thoughts, Lord God, and that you give us access to those things, Lord God. And so I just thank you, Lord God. Teach us, Father God, just how to just 
to have a target-rich environment, how to, Father God, build ourselves up upon our most holy faith, to pray, Lord God, to get in an environment of prayer so that we can have an environment of strength and of faith around the seeds, Lord God, that you've put in our heart. And we just call fullness and fruition to every seed that has ever been sown in our heart. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full-length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.